Note 5. Um, <clears throat> uh, if you want to start at the beginning, the playlist. Concerning her attractive, excuse me, concerning her attraction to you, toward the end of her life, Tony Wolfe recalled that she had her first transference to Frederick Schiller in 1905, then to Goethe, and then to Jung as a productive genius. In retrospect, she reflected on her analysis with Jung. When C, no bracket parentheses, begin, begins to participate with my psychic material, perhaps I have got what I need. The nurturing and supportive substance, question mark? I suspect myself of having insufficient confidence in him because my analysis back then was intermingled with his problems, although it was also good for us. At the end, and that's the end of the quote that's not in quotes, it's the margins are different. You know how they do that sometimes. At the inception of their relationship, Tony Wolfe was not interested in marriage and having children. She was critical of what she had observed of marriage. It seemed to make men less active and less enterprising merely content with being fathers. It made both men and women less interested in culture. After having children, women often didn't need their husbands and their own problems tended to return. Her mother hadn't learned to work and had consequently plagued her children with unused libido. Uh, Tony Wolfe was also critical of the bondage of marriage. Emma Jung, a new character, is that his wife, his daughter, his mother, his trans alter ego? We'll find out, perhaps. Emma Jung came to accept the relationship between her husband and Tony Wolfe. Emma is Carl Jung's wife, okay. By all accounts, the triangular situation was not easy. Ironic, considering a tripod is the simplest, stable... Never mind. <clears throat> um, yes, it was not easy, but a respectful modus vivendi was found. Uh, I, I, I normally want to keep these simple, but... Editor Edward, would you mind enlightening us what modus vivendi means? Modus vivendi is a Latin phrase 
meaning mode of living. Thank you, Editor Edward. All right, where were we? Uh, Jung would have dinner with Wolf on Wednesdays at her home, and she came to Kustnacht on Sundays. In retrospect, Jung recalled the role that she played for him during this period as follows. T.W. was experiencing a similar stream of images. I, have, I had evidently infected her. Or was the declencher, bracket parentheses, trigger, end bracket parentheses, thank you, Sonu, for saving Editor Edward the work, uh, that stirred up her imagination. My fantasies and hers were in a... It's just hard to see. I mean, it's the lighting or the font or both. I, my magnifying glass is too far away. Remind me next time to keep it closer. In a participation mystique, I think. Uh, it was like a common stream and a common task. Gradually, I became conscious, and gradually I became the center and the measure to which I attained these insights. She also found her center, but then she got stuck somewhere along the way. I remained too much the center that functioned for her. Therefore, I was never permitted to be other than she wanted me to be, or than she needed to have me be. At that time, she was entirely drawn into this terrible process in which I was involved, and she was just as helpless as I was. Well, that's empowering. I mean, never mind. Tony Wolf, because there's two Fs. So, whenever we see Lloyd, L L O Y D, my wife and I pronounce it Lloyd, just for for fun. Anyway, Tony Wolf, active uh, Tony Wolf's active imaginative imaginative imaginations. There it is. During this period have not survived. However, her diaries from 1924 onward indicate that she clearly had a faculty for this. Furthermore, there are instances that bear out Jung's comments concerning their fantasies being in a, quote, participation mystique, end quote. An important figure in Jung's fantasies was that of Ka, from Egyptian mythology. Wolf had her own figure of Ka, and also had dialogues with Jung's Ka. In an active imagination on January 11, 1926, Wolf's eye, in quotes, had a dialogue with Thoth. I think they mean Thoth, 
though it's spelled thot, T-H-O-T. Thoth, the Egyptian god of writing. Thoth, now with the H, indicating that the previous spelling was a typo. All right. Uh, yes, where were we? Mm-hmm. This is a very professional operation, as you can see. Uh, Thoth instructed her how to invoke someone's ka. This time, ka is in quotes. It wasn't before. All right. Um, so call loudly thrice. You, your ka, you ka, you ka, you ka, of so-and-so. Um, come here and move into my heart. Space has been made for you. Your ba expects you, and you should move in. She, uh, end quote. She followed his instructions. Quote, you ka, you ka, you ka of sea. Come here, move into my heart. Space has been made for you. Your ba expects you, and you should move in. End quote. On January 30, she noted earlier, sees ka to me, mine not received by him. Sees ka speaks about the abyss and the death he sees. I want to let myself drop down. Such entries indicate a liminal, imaginal permeability in which she would interact with some of Jung's figures. One may infer that similar imaginal exchanges took place in the critical period from 1913 onward on several subsequent occasions. Tony Wolfe referred to their relationship as an Experimentation Crucis, Experimentum Crucis. Ah, that's the name of the section. And here it's in quotes. Quote, ex as N, quote, Experimentum Crucis, end quote, doesn't really flow well because N followed by a Q, A N, that is, not the letter N, N Q. Anyway, uh, inquire, there you go. That's a case where the letter N comes before the letter Q. But here, I'm never mind. I'm just going to keep reading. As such, it was clearly linked to Jung's self-experimentation. At the same time, you see there's another light here. Um, it might help me see, but it'll, it'll reflect here. So I opted aesthetically to turn it off. One moment what you've just witnessed is a little bit of the mat. That's the chair squeaking, by the way, not my ass. A um, little bit of the magic of movie editing. Uh, you see, I didn't just disappear and magically reappear. I got up and turned on the light and got this and then came back and sat down and then later editor me. Um, edited it, did it, did it out. Now you know. 
and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! A little bit more uh, editing in this one than usual. You see, generally, I decided to make these because I do the Buddhist books and I do a lot of editing in that one. Um, cartoon characters appearing and disappearing um, and uh, whatnot. Never mind. All right. So in this one, I decided uh, I'm not going to make myself do work. I'm just going to plop the audio from this hello into the video from this. Oh, hey, oh, is that meta or what? You're seeing the reflection of the reflection. How cool is that? I know, not, not all that cool. But anyway, let's see if I can remember what I was reading before all that. Okay, so now it's a little lighter and I've got my old man magnifying glass. That's good. Good can be applied here, I don't know, but uh, just in case it can. Uh, as such, it was clearly linked to Jung's self-expression. At the same time, Emma Jung continued to play a central role in Jung's life. She ran the household. See, I can read, I just can't see. Raised their children and maintained the human dimension for him, while also facilitating and accompanying him in his self-experimentation. In 1910, this is flattering, is it aesthetically pleasing, seeing me squint? I hope so. In 1910, she began an analysis with Jung, and she worked with Leonhard Sief in 19-E-I, yeah, Sief in 1911, and later with Hans Trube, parentheses, who was married to Tony Wolf's sister Suzanne, end parentheses. She played an active role in the Association for Analytical Psychology and later practiced analysis, analysis, also studying physics, sorry, Maybe I should close that eye again. Mathematics, Greek, and Latin. The languages later enabled her, parentheses, in contrast to Tony Wolf, end parentheses, to accompany Jung in his explorations into alchemy. She undertook her own research, which culminated in her work on the Grail legend. From around 1914, she began to do active imagination in the form of dialogues, paintings, and poems. All right, that's the end of the Experimentum Crucis section. I shall read on. Enter Philemon. From December 26, 1913 through May 24, 1914, Jung continued to follow the same procedure of inducing fantasies in a waking state and entering into dialogue with the figures that emerged. An important figure was Philemon, who first appeared on January 27, 1914, 
as a pensioned magician from whom Jung's eye, in quotes, had sought to learn the art of magic. In retrospect, Jung recalled that Philemon represented superior insight and was like a guru to him. Always good to have your gurus in your head in the form of fantasy beings, I say. Am I being facetious? Am I being sarcastic? You decide. Anyway, where was I? Uh, he would converse with him in the garden. He recalled that Philemon evolved out of the figure of Elijah, uh, who had previously appeared in his fantasies. This is, I guess, the quote, because it's like, or like it's an excerpt from a diary or something, something Jung wrote. Philemon brought with him an Egyptian dash Gnostic dash Hellenistic atmosphere. I know what you mean. I mean, I actually know what you mean. Osirinophris. Need I say more? Is that racist? Like long time no see? Need I say more? No, I don't think it is. A really Gnostic hue, because he really was a pagan. Which part of Egyptian, oh, Gnostic, right. Egyptian, Gnostic, Hellenistic, all three of those are pagan. Gnostic, he's very Gnostic because he's really pagan. Of the three, Gnostic is the one that could be defined as the very definition of not pagan if we're talking about Gnostic Christian, unless you ask a Catholic or some other kind of mainstream exoteric Christian whether Gnostic is pagan or not, and they might just lump it into the category of pagan because it's not proper Christian, which is the post-St. Augustine definition of pagan, is it not? The original definition being from the hills, Rural folk, not city folk, pagans. Sorry. All right. Anyway, where was I? Yeah, really Gnostic Hugh. Really Gnostic Hugh. Because he really was a pagan. I'm trying to think of a good example uh, to compare that to. Mm, mm. Okay, okay. Let's say that though... You and I, because we're reading Carl Jung, are not proper Orthodox Jews, but we generally live in a community of Orthodox Jews. And I were to say he really was a Reformed Jew because he was so goyim. Does that work? There's a there's a uh, a Sanskrit word that means non-Buddhist. So like if you and I, though we weren't proper Vajrayana Buddhists, because we're studying Jung, uh, were to say he really was a non-Buddhist because he was so Zen. 
think I've, I've beaten that horse point to death. Far be it for me to claim to have insight that the oh-so-educated 30-something-year-old at the time, Carl Jung, let's just keep reading. I, I, I mean, yeah, okay. I, it's a good thing when heroes fall. That's what I say. He was simply a superior knowledge and he taught me psychological objectivity and the actuality of the soul. Smash that dislike button, <laughs> like what's his name, that British bald guy says. Anyway, um, he had showed this dissociation between me and my intellectual object. Four dots. He formulated this thing, which I was not and formulated and expressed everything which I had never thought. You see, that's this is why I don't keep a magical journal anymore. Because then I'd be writing things like this. Sorry. In the years that followed, Jung sought instruction from this imaginal figure and tried to fathom his nature. Okay, I'm gonna take on the persona of a person who has nothing but the utmost respect, nay, even reverence for just being able to sniff from a great distance the farts of the name of Carl Jung. Okay, I'm back. Yes, we're reading the sacred... Sorry. Anyway, the fantasies between December 26th and the first half of the entry, it's all about the first half of the entry. I mean, the rest of the entry is just, sorry. Uh, for April 19th, formed the basis of the second book of Liber Novus. Liber Novus, which we'll get to after we finish the black books, which at this rate will be 100 years from now. Oh boy, I completely lost my place. No, not completely. There we are. Liber Secundus. The material from the second half. See, if you really want to sound pretentious when you write a book, call it Liber something Latin. Anyway, sorry. Mm -hmm. The second half of the entry, 19, uh, April 19 onward, would later form the basis of the third book, Scrutinies. The fact that Jung would later end the manuscript of the Liber Secundus here indicates that this marked something of a cul culmination. There we are. They put a dash in the middle and stuck the second half on the next line. So there you go of the process that he had been engaged in. The entries up to the first half, you see, I, similarly to how I didn't turn on this light, I also have turned off the air conditioner, which on some days would be fine, but it's, it's particularly humid and warm here in Goa, 99% of the time. I don't know if you can see how much I'm sweating, but now that I've called attention to it, perhaps you can. See, this is what it sounds like if I... 
not on turbo, but put the fan up high and see if see if it starts to be more comfortable for me, and we'll see how bad the noise pollution becomes. We've just got about eight more minutes of this. <sighs> how is everybody doing? I don't know. The, the, am I overcompensating for last time by just reading and not commenting? I guess I've been commenting a bit, haven't I? But I jumped right in this time, and definitely last time I was interjecting with silly comments. You can see my my various shades of mood. Um, yeah, I think it's the lighting. Partly the lighting, partly like this glossy sort of small font. And it's like that, that uh, what's, the, what's the name of the font? Um, you know, the one with the the fancy like little curly cues, not curly cues, but like the one they say not to use. Like if you want people to enjoy reading, then you're supposed to use not like Times New Roman or Courier or whatever. You're supposed to use something more like Arial or Comic Sans. Okay, not Comic Sans, but you get the idea. Tata Starbucks in uh, India. Starbucks is not allowed, but there's a big company called Tata, and they made a deal with Starbucks where half of the profits go to Tata and the other half to Starbucks. And there's a book, mm. the last time I organized my books, I did it by uh, like size, so, uh, and I'm not like able to point directly at it, but there's a book about the Tata family. You can see it. Oh, there it is. The story of the story of Tata. There it is. Um, let's just experiment. Do a little experiment here. Just gonna slide on in here. Ooh, ooh. Oh, how does that? Ouch! I just rolled over. Started to roll over my toe. This might be. This might be a better way to do it. hot, except for this, well, a little bit of a shadow, but not too bad. Maybe if I find a way to fix it over here. <clears throat> Can you tell I'm a little bored with the, <laughs> what I'm reading here. All right, where were we? Yes, Secundus Liber, talking to things in his head. I mean, I know that's like the genius of you or whatever. But, I mean, I did this type of thing for many years. I think that at this point in my life, I am far more of an expert at talking to imaginary beings in my own head than he was back then, considering he was just starting to do it where I started to do it in the 90s, and it's 2023. And boy... I have talked to a lot of imaginary beings in my head. 
I don't think I ever considered any of them guru. Um, there were warnings, you know, given to me by my teachers, which I uh, listened to. Perhaps the voices in my head might have made better gurus than they did. But, you know, honestly, I never really... Well, you know, certain things like my dad gave me advice while he was alive that I stuck to. But I have no illusions about his flaws. I, I mean, guru really just means teacher in Sanskrit, except you're like supposed to prepare a seat for them, prepare food for them, don't point your feet toward them and when you're sitting and you know, all this, all these respectful things. And worship is a word that can sometimes be applied to the guru, but I think it means something different because the English word worship means that thing you do to the one and only true God. And if you should do it to anyone else, you know, lesser God or human, then you're fucked and you're going to go to hell. That's the definition of the English word worship. And there's a thing that people do in other cultures that gets translated into English as worship. And obviously, obviously, showing great respect and reverence to a being is different from that English definition that I just gave. Right? I mean, what am I saying? I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. Nobody watches these anyway, so it's fine. I'm in a vacuum. This is it's like a void space that I'm all alone here. No one will ever know what I'm saying right now. Wow. Wow. It's like a journal, like a diary entry except one of these ones that gets lost between 1914 and 1924 and Tony Wolf. <laughs> That's nice. It's liberating. And I can stop like being self-conscious about, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't sit like this. I shouldn't squint. I shouldn't do this and that. I shouldn't be disrespectful of his majesty. Okay. All right. I'll just read a little more. Find a, like, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it to the end of this paragraph because we're getting close to that half hour mark. I have no idea where I was. Um, and the entries up to the first half of the entry for April 19th lead to a return to and acceptance of his being alone with himself. His soul had ascended to heaven and he was left alone with his quote, I comma end quote, which he now had to learn to live with. Now that I can relate with. I didn't read that last sentence. That was just me talking. Um, this suggests that a certain self-acceptance had been achieved. Achieved The following day, April 20, 420, 1914, Jung resigned as president of the International Psychoanalytical, Psychoanalytical Association. Ten days later, he resigned from the medical faculty of the University of Zurich, where he had been a lecturer. In memories, he recalled that he felt that he was in an exposed position at the university and that he had to find a new orientation 
as it would otherwise be unfair to teach his students. Okay. One step at a time. We're gonna get through these books. We're gonna get through these books. Gonna get through these books. I hope you who are you? <laughs> who am I talking to? And when I do Buddhist books, there's actually people who watch that. Believe it or not, there's one and a half nuns. One hasn't gone through the full process yet. But anyway, um, and a lot of, you know, at least 40, 50 people watching that. So... When I say you, I'm actually talking to someone, but when I say you, I'm really just talking to myself because honestly, I don't think anybody's ever going to watch this. But on the off chance that you are hearing my words right now, I'm curious. Please comment below and say... the name of this animal and uh, then I'll know that you actually you actually watch this whole video and I will feel something I don't know what probably a combination of things and it will probably depend on my mood how recently I woke up that day my age because who knows it might be way in the future and it'll depend upon a lot of things, but I, I would appreciate that, that voice in the darkness, those eyes in the void, that echo from another part of my self. And when, when I, I say, say I, Rabbi, I'm saying God. Thank you, Willem Dafoe. I worship you, Willem Dafoe. Okay, um, so at this point, I will say, okay.